All right, Jason here, School of Zion ID. Uh, this podcast is going to be part one of a two-part pod. Uh, we're talking about angels. I'm going to be quoting from Donald Perry's excellent book called Angels. Um, in fact, I'm going to be mainly reading uh, essential excerpts because Perry did such a phenomenal job of research and hitting to the truth. And I feel like anytime I use my own words, I would just be distorting the truth that he was able to, uh, you know, find uh, from scripture and from personal experience. So let's begin. Um, Angels play a very prominent part in the Lord's plan of salvation in all dispensations. And our own dispensation is no exception. In fact, our dispensation has been a period of extraordinary angelic activity. Joseph Smith received dozens of communications from angels. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was restored in large part through angels imparting revelations and truths to the prophet Joseph Smith. In fact, a statue representing Moroni stands prominently on top of scores of LDS temples throughout the world. In the present day, during our mortal probation, angels personally affect each of us who partakes of the blessings of the gospel because they restored priesthood keys and rites that enable us to receive various ordinances, including the blessings of baptism, the sacrament, temple marriage, and the sealing of families. Also, because of these priesthood keys restored by angels, we derive untold spiritual benefits from receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. Furthermore, because of the divine work of angels in this dispensation, we are privileged to have the Book of Mormon. Our little children sometimes enjoy unique spiritual privileges. Angels may administer love, comfort, or peace to us. Angels may communicate with us through a visitation, a voice, by thoughts, by feelings, or in other ways. Angels are co-workers with us in missionary service. Angels assist us when we conduct work for the dead. Angels conduct divine work among the nations in our day in preparation for the second coming. Angels will accompany Jesus Christ at his second coming. Elder Jeffrey R. Holland wrote these significant words. One of the things that will become more important in our lives the longer we live is the reality of angels, their work and their ministry. I refer here not alone to the angel Moroni, but also to those more personal ministering angels who are with us and around us, empowered to help us, and who do exactly that. What are angels? Because numerous misconceptions exist regarding angels, let us examine what we know from Scripture and the teachings of Latter-day Prophets and Apostles. Angels are the offspring of God. Angels operate among men, women, and children. Angels do not have wings. Angels are messengers. Angels who minister on this earth have belonged to it or may yet belong to it. Angels are our fellow servants in the work of the Lord. Angels may be male or female. Angels have the form of men or women. And angels are organized into classes. Um, The English word angel is from a Greek word, angelos, that means messenger. 
Likewise, the Hebrew word malak, usually translated angel, also signifies messenger. President Charles Penrose explained, angels are God's messengers. Whether used in that capacity as unembodied spirits, selected according to their capacities for the work required, or as disembodied spirits, or as translated men, or as resurrected beings. As messengers, angels deliver a variety of messages to mortals. Messages of love, comfort, warning, or admonition. Further, angels teach the gospel, declare repentance, explain doctrine, and restore priesthood keys, powers, authority, and more. Angels' messages may be spoken or unspoken or felt or they may come by some other means. The LDS Bible Dictionary states, um, These are messengers of the Lord and are spoken of in the epistle to the Hebrews as ministering spirits. We learn from Latter-day Revelation that there are two classes of heavenly beings who minister for the Lord, those who are spirits and those who have bodies of flesh and bone. Spirits are those beings who have either have not yet obtained a body of flesh and bone, unembodied, or who have once had a mortal body and have died and are awaiting the resurrection, disembodied. Ordinarily, the word angel means those ministering persons who have a body of flesh and bone, being either resurrected from the dead, re-embodied, or else translated as was Enoch and Elijah. Concerning those angels who are translated beings, um, and this specifically impacts Zion, the prophet Enoch, who is referred to in various passages of Scripture, Genesis 5, 18-24, Hebrews 11:5, Doctrine and Covenants 107, 48-57, and in Moses chapters 6 and 7, Enoch was translated and became a ministering angel together with others whom God held in reserve to be ministering angels unto many planets. Joseph Smith taught that Enoch is a ministering angel to minister to those who shall be heirs of salvation, and appeared to Jude as Abel did unto Paul. Therefore Jude spoke of Enoch in Jude chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Um, John the Beloved is another translated being who is also a ministering angel. The Lord revealed John's translated status. Yea, he has undertaken a greater work. Therefore I will make him as flaming fire and a ministering angel. He shall minister for those who shall be heirs of salvation who dwell on the earth. That's in Doctrine and Covenants section 7. Likewise, the three Nephites as translated beings are the angels of God, as spoken in 3 Nephi chapter 28, verse 30. Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration were translated beings. The scriptures indicate that the Lord has great numbers of angels. Lehi saw the heavens open, and he thought he saw God sitting upon his throne, surrounded with numberless concourses of angels, in the attitude of singing and praising their God. John the Revelator adds additional evidence regarding the great number of angels. He said in Revelation 5.11, And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders. And the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands. John beheld one hundred million 
and thousands of thousands of angels near God's throne. The number may be taken literally, but more likely it signifies an indefinite number. Um, Paul wrote in his letter to the Hebrews, But ye are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable innumerable company of angels. That's Hebrews 12.22. Doctrine and Covenants 76, verse 67 states, These are they who have come to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of Enoch, and of the firstborn. A scriptural text from Jesus Christ's mortal ministry sets forth the great numbers of the Lord's angels. After Jesus left the Garden of Gethsemane, he encountered Judas, who approached with a great multitude with swords and staves. During this event, one of them, which were with Jesus, stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. Then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword into its place. Thinkest thou that I cannot pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? Well, a legion consists of 3,000 to 6,000 persons. Twelve legions represent 36,000 to 72,000 persons. But like that of John in Revelation, Jesus' expression perhaps denotes a symbolic figure rather than a specific number. Um, moving on here. There is a hierarchy among the angels. God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost are, of course, greater than angels. The prophet Joseph Smith taught, Gods have an ascendancy over the angels who are ministering servants. In the resurrection, some are raised to be angels, others are raised to become gods. Of all the angels, resurrected beings, translated beings, or spirits, Michael, or Adam, is the head angel. The scriptures call him the archangel. The term arch, part of such words as patriarch, archetype, archbishop, archenemy, archconservative, and archscoundrel, means chief, principal, or preeminent. Michael, then, is the chief of angels. Joseph Smith explained that Michael stands next in authority to Jesus Christ himself and presides over the spirits of all men. The miraculous powers of angels build confidence among mortals who understand angelic authority and power. Not all angels, of course, have equal power and authority. Angels with resurrected bodies have greater power than do translated beings, which in turn have greater power than do the angels who are either unembodied or disembodied spirits. Depending on their rank and status and the errand on which they are sent, angels may have some of the following powers. Power over gravity. Power over the elements. Other powers and capabilities, including the power to appear seemingly out of nowhere and vanish in an instant. To cause doors to open of their own accord. To cause chains to fall from bound prisoners. To mingle undetected with mortals. To pass through walls, closed doors and ceilings. To escape earth's pits and depths. To remain unharmed in fiery furnaces and among wild beasts. With regard to angels' knowledge of the elements and the laws of nature, 
Elder John Widso explains that angels are vivid personages, intelligent beings vastly superior to men, knowing well the laws of nature and therefore able to control them. While president of the church, Brigham Young made statements regarding the power that angels have over the elements. Um, John the Revelator writes of angels who have many great powers. One angel has power over fire. Revelation 14, 18. Four angels have power over the four winds of the earth. Revelation 7, 1. And one or more angels have power over the fate of the waters. Note that John refers specifically to the angel of the waters in Revelation 16, verse 5. Furthermore, there are four angels in Revelation to whom is given power over the four parts of the earth to save life and to destroy. Having power to shut up the heavens, to seal up unto life, or to cast down to the regions of darkness. Again, using symbolic language, John the Revelator states that a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. Revelation 18.21 This action by an angel symbolizes the destruction of wickedness in the last days. Although this angel is unnamed, the fact that he is mighty and is significant, as is the idea that God will empower one of his angels to destroy Babylon. Um, angels can appear to mortals and hide their angelic nature and they have the ability to appear as mortals. The angel who saved Peter the night before he was to be executed possessed great powers. This angel miraculously entered the prison and caused Peter's chains to fall from his hands, as stated in Acts chapter 12, verse 17. Abraham chapter 1, verse 15 records that an angel unloosened Abraham's bands. Back to Peter. Um, the angel and Peter walked unseen, past the first and the second ward, presumably where guards were stationed. Another miracle by the angel is recorded in Acts 12, verse 10. When Peter and the angel approached the iron gate that leadeth into the city, it opened by itself, or rather, it opened because of the angel's powers. This angel demonstrated four powers. First, he was able to miraculously enter into a prison, although it had locked gates or doors and several guards. Second, the angel caused the chains that bound Peter's hands to fall off. Third, he and Peter walked undetected past two sets of guards. And fourth, the angel caused the outer iron gate, which presumably was locked, to open. Chains binding prisoners are no obstacle to angels. Elder Parley P. Pratt, after spending several months in a Missouri dungeon, was freed by angels. Um, on another account, showing the great power of angels, when he was called to deliver the Israelites from their foes, Gideon expressed his feelings of inadequacy. O oh my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. The Lord responded by promising Gideon, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. Then to give, to give Gideon confidence that the Lord would fulfill his word, God's angel performed a great miracle. 
And the angel of God said unto him, Take the flesh and the unleavened cakes, and lay them upon this rock, and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand, and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes. And there rose up out of the rock, and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. After these events, the Lord empowered Gideon to defeat the Midianites. Gideon became so great in the eyes of the Israelites that they invited him to become king, but he refused. Sometimes the astounding power of angels causes the earth to quake. For instance, on the day of Jesus Christ's resurrection, the descent of an angel caused the earth to shake. The scriptures in Matthew 28.2 says, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven. The, also, the angel of the Lord appeared, and he descended as it were in a cloud, and he spake as it were with a voice of thunder, which caused the earth to shake upon which they stood. And with their own eyes they had beheld an angel of the Lord, and his voice was as thunder, which shook the earth, and they knew that there was nothing save the power of God that could shake the earth and cause it to tremble as though it would part asunder. That's from Moses, Mosiah chapter 27, verse 18. Alma 38, 7 says, And also I have seen an angel face to face, and he spake with me, and his voice was as thunder, and it shook the whole earth. Jesus promised to the three Nephites extraordinary powers. He said, For ye shall never taste of death, and ye shall never endure the pains of death. And again, ye shall not have pain while ye shall dwell in the flesh, neither sorrow, save it be for the sins of the world. Mormon described additional powers of the three Nephites. They were cast into prison by them who did not belong to the church, and the prisons could not hold them, for they were rent in twain, and they were cast down into the earth. But they did smite the earth with the word of God, insomuch that by his power they were delivered out of the depths of the earth, and therefore they could not dig pits sufficient to hold them. And thrice they were cast into a furnace and received no harm. And twice were they cast into a den of wild beasts. And behold, they did play with the beasts as a child with a suckling lamb and received no harm, according to 3 Nephi chapter 28, verses 19 to 22. In sum, the three Nephites, as well as other angels, demonstrated authority over earthly powers and elements. Prison walls could not hold them. Earth's pits and depths were no threat to them. Fiery furnaces had no power to destroy them, and even wild beasts could not harm them. Um, another quote from Jeffrey R. Holland, uh, his 2008 October General Conference Address on the Ministry of Angels. Elder Holland declared, I testify of angels, both the heavenly and the mortal kind. In doing so, I am testifying that God never leaves us alone, never leaves us unaided in the challenges that we face. On occasion, global or personal, we may feel we are dis distanced from God, shut out from heaven, lost, alone in dark and dreary places. Often enough that distress can be of our own making, 
But even then, the Father of us all is watching and assisting. And always there are those angels who come and go all around us, seen and unseen, known and unknown, mortal and immortal. The three Nephites can appear undetected to mortals. Mormon wrote of them. Behold, they will be among the Gentiles, and the Gentiles shall know them not. They will also be among the Jews, and the Jews shall know them not. And they are as the angels of God. And if they shall pray unto the Father in the name of Jesus, they can show themselves unto whatsoever man it seemeth them good. That's 3 Nephi chapter 28, verses 27 through 28 and verse 30. Um, Elder Orson Hyde delivered a speech on the 4th of July in 1854 in the tabernacle at Salt Lake City on patriotism, liberty, and the Declaration of Independence. During his speech, Elder Hyde spoke of an angel who worked behind the scenes with Christopher Columbus during the American Revolution and at other times in American history. He said, This same angel presides over the destinies of America and feels a lively interest in all our doings. He was in the camp of Washington and, by an invisible hand, led on our fathers to conquest and victory, and all this to open and prepare the way for the church and kingdom of God to be established on the Western Hemisphere for the redemption of Israel and the salvation of the world. This same angel was with Columbus and gave him deep impressions by dreams and by visions respecting this new world. Trammeled by poverty and by an unpopular cause, Yet his persevering and unyielding heart would not allow an obstacle in his way too great for him to overcome. And the angel of God helped him, was with him on the stormy deep, calmed the troubled elements, and guided his frail vessel to the desired haven. Under the guardianship of this same angel, or Prince of America, have the United States grown, increased, and flourished, like the sturdy oak by the rivers of water. Um, In conclusion, angels who are resurrected or translated are able to conceal their angelic characteristics, including their great light and glory, and mingle among human beings as if they were mortals. When writing his epistle to the Hebrews, the Apostle Paul taught an important truth. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. That important scripture is in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. As this verse suggests, mortals have hosted or seen angels without knowing that they were hosting such messengers. Joseph Smith provided additional knowledge on this matter. The spirit of a just man made perfect, if he made his appearance, he would appear to be enveloped in flaming fire. And no man in this mortal state could endure it. But an angel could come and appear as another man. For Paul said, Be careful to entertain strangers, for some have entertained angels unaware. The story of the resurrected Lord appearing to Cleopas and another man on the road to Emmaus illustrates how celestial beings can conceal their glory and appear as mere mortals. I'll read about it in Luke chapter 24. Um, 
Mormon testified that he had seen the three Nephites. But behold, I have seen them, and they have ministered unto me. Whenever they wish to reveal themselves to mortals, they pray to Heavenly Father in Jesus Christ's name, and then they are permitted to reveal themselves according to what is appropriate and right. A story about Joseph Smith and his bodyguard, Alan Stout, provides yet another example of an encounter with a translated person who concealed his angelic status while fulfilling his mission upon the earth. As Joseph and Alan Stout were walking on a road west of the Mississippi River, they saw a man walking along a road leading in from the south and coming towards them. The prophet told Alan to remain where he was while he stepped over to speak with this pedestrian. Alan turned his back towards them and for a time forgot the prophet and became engaged with his own thoughts while he stood whipping a low bush with the cane he carried. The hand of the prophet upon his shoulder aroused him. The prophet said, we must return immediately to Nauvoo. They walked silently and rapidly. Alan became very sorrowful over his um, recreancy to his duty and could not refrain from weeping. The prophet asked him why he wept. Alan confessed, I am an insufficient bodyguard, criminally neglectful of your welfare. I allowed that man you met to speak with you even um, without even being ready to defend if he attacked you. He could have killed you and made his escape without my knowing who he is, which is... Uh, which way he went, or what he even looks like. You will have to dispense with my services and take a guard on which you can depend. Your life is too precious to be trusted to my care. The prophet then said, That man would not harm me. You just saw John the Revelator. Um, In conclusion, again, humans who walk the earth are not alone. The numbers of angels who are with us far outweigh those who are against us. Having faith in God also means having faith in angels. In part two of this podcast, we'll talk specifically about the role that angels are foreordained to play in events leading up to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ.